0: Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we ask that you would work right now through your word in our hearts. Pray that you would let us hear what it means, let us understand it. Pray that our hearts would love your truth, that we would worship your son Jesus in this moment as we hear from your word. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen kids just a moment ago sang, Oh Come, Let Us Adore Him, which is an incredible Christmas song. If you, if you think about the words, it invites all those, Oh Come, Let Us Adore Him, it invites those who are joyful and triumphant, and at first you might think, well, that rules me out entirely. Because many of us do not walk around feeling joyful and triumphant. But if you think about what we just saw in the Christmas pageant, and if you think about who the angels announced the birth of Christ to, they were not rich and successful and joyful and triumphant people. But the good news of the birth of Christ changed them into joyful and triumphant people. And I want to invite you in this moment, as I say a few words from the scriptures, to have that same attitude of joy in what God has done. A lot of times, you know, when you get to the part of the service where the pastor stands up and you you know that you're going to hear a sermon, you you can easily, mentally kind of check out and say, okay, he's going to do his thing and that's, that's just what he does. I want to invite you to be very active in this moment. And what I mean by that is this. What I'm going to do is is I'm going to say some things from the scriptures that I believe are true. And as you hear the scriptures, you know, my words don't really matter, but as you hear the scriptures, if what I say is accurate, and if what I say helps you see Jesus clearly, what I would like to ask you to do is to worship the Lord Jesus with an attitude of prayer. So that at least in your mind you'll say, Jesus, that's true. Jesus, I love you. So that you can worship Jesus as you listen to the preaching of his word right now, very actively, so that just as we sang, oh, come, let us adore him, that you would adore Christ as I say a few things about Jesus. We as a church have been for a few months going through the book of Luke because I want myself and I want everyone in our church to know Jesus very well. And the only way to do that is to meet him in the scriptures. It's very easy to kind of make Jesus in your own image. You know, the Jesus I believe in wouldn't do that or wouldn't say that. But the Jesus that you and I would like is irrelevant if it doesn't match Jesus for who he is. And the only way that you know who Jesus is, is to listen to what God says in his word. So we've been going through the book of Luke for a few months, and I'm actually going to take a break from that for a moment, just for this week and the next couple of weeks. And today, I want to ask the question that we haven't even really addressed in our series on Luke. Why did Jesus, the Son of God, become a baby? Why did Jesus, the Son of God, become a baby? It's what we celebrate at Christmas time. The Bible teaches very clearly that Jesus existed for all eternity before he was born in Bethlehem. So at Christmas, we're not just celebrating the birth of some significant world leader, we're not just celebrating the birth of a good teacher or someone who gave us a good example. We are celebrating the birth of God. The guy that was playing drums this morning, Owen, just taught a a message on this to our youth group about two weeks ago, and he said it this way, you know, it's Jesus is God in a bod, and that's true. That is what we are celebrating, that that God became a human just like you or I. Why did he do that? Well, I want to give one reason in particular, and then I want to give three different ways to think about that. The scripture teaches that Jesus became a man so that we could know God. Scriptures teach that Jesus became a man so that we could know God. Because of our brokenness, because of our sin, all of us have a problem knowing who God is. We have been separated from our Creator Sin puts a barrier between us, just like when you sin against your wife, it puts a barrier between you and her. Or when you sin against your kids, you know, some some people are alienated from their families. Every time there's that brokenness. Well, scripture teaches that we have that brokenness with God. And so the only way to bridge that brokenness is through Jesus Christ. And this morning, I want to point to a passage from the book of Hebrews. And if you have a Bible or you use an app on your phone, I want to encourage you to go to Hebrews chapter 1 with me. There are several Bibles throughout the room here. You can open it and find the book of Hebrews in the index. Turn there with me. I want to encourage you to see this in the scriptures. And I'm just going to read the first three verses. Because it sets Jesus apart from every other work that God the Father has done. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 through 3 says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. As we look through why Jesus became a man and talk about how he became a man so that we could know God, the book of Hebrews lays out how Jesus is different than any other activity that God had done in the past. And there are a couple reasons why we could not know God. And number one, God is invisible. You can't point to him today. You know, Even before I became a pastor, I was very committed to the idea that we ought to teach our children the things that are true. So if you ask my son Isaac, or if you ask my daughter Rosie, who is God, they will tell you, God is a spirit who does not have a body like men. God is a spirit. That means he's invisible. It means you can't see him. And if you ask them, can you see God? They will say, no, I cannot see God, but he always sees me. And if you ask them, where is God? They will go everywhere. The scripture teaches so clearly, as a spirit, you can't point to God. And so in order for people to know him, because our sin had separated from us, God sent people to speak his word. He sent people like Moses in the Old Testament and and Isaiah. Many of the prophets that we quoted as the kids did the, the amazing pageant that we just put on. And so God spoke to his people, but they still could not see him. They didn't know what he was like by being able to look at him. They just heard his voice Through prophets speaking his word. God is invisible. You cannot see him. But God who is full of mercy and love. Reached out to us in our sin and in our rebellion. So through the prophets he taught people how to come to know him. And he taught the people of the Old Testament how to offer sacrifices and how to atone for sins. Always looking forward to the coming of someone who would make a sacrifice once for all for all of our sins. And the Bible says that when Jesus became a man, we could finally see what God is like. Hebrews is exalting Jesus and holding him up and saying he is greater than any prophecy before. Why? Because now for the first time, if you look at Jesus, you can see God. Jesus said in his own words, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And our passage today said that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of of his nature. He is a perfect representation of God the Father. And I want to encourage you, think for just a moment about those words, radiance and glory. Think for a second about diamonds. You know, what what makes a diamond different than the rock salt that we throw in our parking lot? If you look at a diamond... There's all kinds of beautiful light refracting through its facets so that if you hold it up to the light, you see rainbows just exploding out of that beautiful gem. That diamond is radiant. And the radiance that you see, that light and the the rainbows that are showing the array of the color spectrum, that radiance shows the nature of the stone. If you did not see that radiance, who knows, maybe we would be throwing diamonds out on our parking lot to get rid of snow. It, It would have no value apart from that radiance. You would not be able to see its nature. You would not know the value of the gem apart from the radiance, and the Bible says That Jesus is the radiance, the exact imprint of the nature of God. So when you look at Jesus, you see how beautiful and how valuable and how awesome God the Father is. You want to know God? Look at Jesus. And if you look at Jesus, what do you find? Well, John's gospel tells us Jesus is full of grace and truth. He's full of grace and he's full of truth. And this is what the Father is like. Jesus is full of grace in that he loved absolutely everyone. It did not matter who you were, what your background was, if you looked beautiful, if you looked kind of ugly, Jesus loved you. That is good news for you. That is good news for me. He is full of grace so that he loves everyone. The Bible shows that he loved everyone people inside the religious institution. He loved Pharisees. He loved people that were dedicated to the scriptures. And he loved tax collectors and prostitutes. You can't make him into some sort of anti-establishment hero. He loved people in and out of the establishment. He was full of grace for everyone. And that means that he loves you. And that means that he loves me. It's enormously good news that God is full of grace. But he's not only full of grace... He's also full of truth. Have you ever had a family member? Maybe it was a spouse. Maybe it was a son or daughter who, who really they just needed some truth. Truth is powerful. It's, it's a good thing. You don't want to live in error. You don't want to live wrong. But sometimes it's enormously painful. Sometimes if you want to speak truth into your son's life, or if you want to speak truth into your spouse's life, means you're about to have an argument. You're about to tell them what it's really like, and they're probably not gonna like it. That's how we we treat truth in those moments. But the Son of God, who shows us what God is like, is full of grace and truth. That means when he loved the religious leaders that looked like they had it together, he called them to repentance. He revealed their sins. He said, all right, I I know that you know the scriptures. But if you just know the scriptures and you don't know me, you will be lost. You will not have eternal life. He called them to real repentance. You see it in John's Gospel in chapter 3. As Jesus has a conversation with a man named Nicodemus. He's a religious leader. He's a Pharisee. He knows the scriptures. Jesus says, you need to be born again. If you're not born again, you don't know God. doesn't matter how well you know the scriptures. He called people like him to repent. And he also... Called tax collectors and sinners, people who were outside the religious institutions, he called them to repent as well. He didn't say, Oh, you guys are hopeless, your sins are so bad, there's no hope for you. What he did was he extended grace to them. And just like he extended grace to a Pharisee, he said, You need to repent and you can be forgiven. And he loved all kinds of people with both grace and both truth. He welcomed and invited people to call God Father in an intimate way. That was only possible because we could look at him and know what God is like. That he is full of grace and that he is full of truth. But there's something even deeper. Jesus became a man not just so that we could see God and know what he's like. Jesus became a man so that God could die. The second thing that we think about when we think about God is he's immortal. He has no beginning. He has no end. You remember, you see a hint of this in the book of Hebrews that we just read. It says Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. That is a staggering statement. For all the majesty and the size of the universe and all the galaxies, the book of Hebrews says Jesus, that little baby that was born at a stable in Bethlehem, Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. And I already mentioned, the Bible is so clear that he existed before he was born in that stable, that all the world was made through him. That's the power of God the Son. And the scripture puts it very clearly that God cannot die. Says, Paul says this in 1 Timothy, he says, God the Father is the blessed and only sovereign The king of kings and the Lord of lords, he alone has immortality. He cannot die. He dwells in unapproachable light whom no one has ever seen or can see. But in Jesus Christ, when God takes flesh and blood and becomes a man, Jesus Christ could die. And he could die for you, and he could die for me. And the reason that matters is the scripture says that the reason there's this barrier between us and God is because of our sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. It causes separation between us and a holy God. That's why Paul says he dwells in unapproachable light. If you try to approach that, it destroys you. It undoes you. Because sin is a problem not just for other people. It's a problem For you in your own heart, for each one here, for me as well. And so God is immortal, dwelling in unapproachable light, but when Jesus becomes a man, he becomes approachable and he becomes immortal. It's possible for Jesus and his humanity to die. There's a famous songwriter that that puts it this way says, tis mystery all, the immortal dies. God becomes man so that God can die for man. Someone is going to suffer the punishment for your sin and for my sin. And God demonstrates his love and that while we were yet sinners, God became man so he could die in your place and he could die in my place. And so my final point this morning, number one, God is God is invisible. God is a spirit. You can't see him, but you can see him in Christ. Number two, God is immortal. As a spirit, he wouldn't die. But God became man so that, that God could die in man's place. Number three, God is love. The only reason we know that is because Jesus died in our place. John, the the apostle who wrote the book of John, who was with Jesus the whole time Jesus was on earth, wrote in the book of 1 John, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's staggering. That means if you've come here this morning, you said, Man, I don't love God. I don't care at all about God. Maybe you wouldn't say that out loud. But if you look at your life and you look at how you've lived, you'd have to admit that that's actually true. That you have not worshipped God. You have not honored Him. In fact, you have broken His laws. The staggering thing, you might feel like God won't accept you because of that. But John says, in this is love. Not that we have loved God. None of us have. Even if you look good on the outside... The Bible says you haven't loved God, but he loved you. And the reason we know love, John writes, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. Apart from that demonstration, you and I would not know real love. Many of us define love based on someone meeting our needs or our wants. I feel loved if you do this for me. If you don't do this for me, you just don't understand me, and you must not really love me. That's what we think of love. But God demonstrates real love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, while we were breaking his laws and pushing him away, Christ died for us. He died for you and he died for me. So we can see God in Jesus. We can know his love because he died in your place and rose from the dead. Scripture says, and Peter, another one of the men who lived with Jesus while Jesus was on earth, said this, that Jesus died for us, that he might bring us to God. He said, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, that he would overcome that separation So that we could enjoy the fellowship, that we could enjoy the goodness of knowing God. And I want to invite you, if you are here today and you know the Lord, that's awesome. Let this be a day when you worship your heavenly father that shows that kind of love for you. If you are a Christian and maybe you've been a Christian for years, it's easy to forget that love, or to feel like maybe God loved you at one time, but maybe you haven 't lived as you should as a Christian, and so he 's angry with you or he 's grumpy, or maybe he 's a cold, distant father. the reality is God still loves you, so Christian, worship your heavenly Father because you know what he 's done in Jesus for you. maybe you 're here today and you are not a Christian or or Maybe you've never really made a decision to trust in Jesus as your Savior. If that's you, I want to invite you today. Let this be the day as we've focused on Christmas, as we focus on what God has done for us in Jesus, and we've talked about why God became a man, let this be the day when you trust that Jesus did this, not just for humanity in general, but for you in particular. Let this be the day where you come to the Lord Scripture says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness because of what Jesus did for us. And so if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, Scripture says you will be saved. And so as I close this service, I I wanna wanna just give you an opportunity to talk to the Lord. And I'd ask you to bow your heads right now and we wanna have a word of prayer If the scriptures have spoken to you and God is at work in your heart, I want to give you some opportunity just to talk to him. If you're a believer, worship him for a moment. Say thank you. But if the Holy Spirit has said to you, you know what? I'm not a believer and I I need to ask God to forgive me for my sins. I need to rest in what Jesus has done for me. I want to invite you to to just pray to the Lord. Say, Father, I believe that, that Jesus died for me and that he rose from the dead. I want to ask you to forgive me for my sins and and I want to obey you. And I would encourage you, if that's you, to trust him completely and to know that Jesus paid all of your sins. I want to encourage you to follow him. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, you are such a joyful and an amazing and a wonderful God and I praise you that you let us know this through Jesus. Father, we've heard from your word. I I ask that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts. I pray that those who don't know you would trust and believe and be saved, that they would enjoy the life that comes through Jesus. Lord, I ask for those who do, that we would worship you in spirit and in truth. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.